pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. scored. scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Join us as we stand up for the non-footy playing bunch against Phil Gould and then rip us to shreds on the socials <sighs> again as we reveal the top 10 props in the NRL. Can't wait. Friendy, this uh, this probably qualifies as a third date for us. There's no Miles Stedman, no Kieran Gibson to get in the way. It's just you and me, baby. <laughs> That's it. Put some Barry White on, and we'll start talking about some footy. I'm not sure if anyone's <laughs> ever done that before, but um, yeah, let's let's get into it. That is, I love that that's your idea of romance because it's absolutely my idea of romance as well. <laughs> uh, friendy, uh, up to the last round now, round 25, it's starting to get very, very interesting. Your Knights are absolutely, 100%, certainly going to come seventh. What's the emotion? Is that like, is that like the bare minimum for you or is that relief or a bit of joy in there? What's, what's the thoughts? Oh, there's a bit of everything, I guess. I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago about um, how it was sort of an expectation this year that they'd finish uh, at least seventh or something like that. And potentially, I guess, building on next year would be winning a finals game. So whether or not we can do that, uh, I'm not too sure, but I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. Indeed. Now, let's talk about how we did in round 24. Friendy, we'll start off with you. You got six out of eight, and your bold prediction was that Melbourne on Saturday evening, Manly on Sunday, and Penrith on Sunday would score 120 points between them. Now, uh, Manly and Penrith weren't too far off the pace, but the Storm were a, a big surprise. Yeah, they actually got beaten, obviously, by the Parramatta Eels, uh, only scoring 10 points as well. So they've scored, I think, the most amount of uh, 40 points or more games this year. Um, obviously, I, I picked them on the wrong week. They're, they're a bit flat. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think they've still got a record differential as it stands. Uh, but, yeah, an unfortunate one for you there. Miles, uh, speaking of unfortunate ones, Miles Stedman, he got five out of eight, which is not so bad. But his bold prediction did not come to fruition even slightly. He said that uh, the Roosters would lose to the Rabbitohs in a close match and that in the losing side, James Tedesco would score a hat-trick. Now, he did not score any tries uh, and he... His team got beaten by 42 points. So, uh, a very, very unhappy night for the Roosters, including a, a, a pretty catastrophic injury to uh, Joey Manu as well, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in, in the coming moments. Uh, I got five out of eight, and my bold prediction was that the Seagulls, Bulldogs, and Panthers, Tigers games would have a combined differential of 70 points. And... To be honest, uh, both of the uh, bottom eight teams there, the Tigers and Bulldogs, put up a, a pretty decent fight, and uh, the differential in the end was only 32 points. Kieran got seven out of eight, beating all of us, and he also got his bold prediction. He said that there would be three attempted field goals throughout the weekend, and it happened in the very first game. <laughs> so, yeah, it did too. Knights, <laughs> yeah, the Knights and the Titans, there was two unsuccessful attempts before there was a third successful attempt to your mate Mitchell Pierce, who got your Knights over the line. Uh, was there a bit of a, a fist pump celebration at that point from you? 
there was a little bit. Yeah, I, I just thought um, if we had have lost last week, I would have been pretty concerned going into the Brisbane game this week. I think Brisbane have been playing okay, and it's one mm. that I think we may have been able to, to butcher. Uh, but yeah, piercing knocking that over. So um, yeah, we're through and, and happy days. P.S. proving once and for all that he is the sixth best halfback in the competition. <laughs> um, and on that, we will be talking about who we think, and this is including Miles and Kieran, who have put in their votes. They can't be with us uh, this evening because of their busy schedules. And Kieran's a little bit ill, unfortunately. He's had a COVID test and he is negative. But um, yeah, I, I saw his brother this morning and, uh, and Kieran's not going too well. So shout out to both of those boys. Uh, but we are revealing our top 10 props later on in this episode. Um, but before we do that, Friendy, what did you learn from round 24? This week, Bo, I learned that I can't wait for the next clash between the Bunnies and the Chooks. I spoke last week about how much I enjoy um, the clashes between the two sides over the years. And yeah, this one certainly didn't let us down, uh, did it? So I think uh, the next one is going to be a mouthwatering contest. And potentially it could be it could be in week two of the finals, depending on how they finish after this week. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next time they meet. Yeah, it's a big one for the Roosters on Thursday night against the Raiders. Uh, if they manage to win, the Eels have got a very weakened side. They've rested a bunch of players. So there's a very good chance that the Roosters could beat the Raiders and the Eels could lose with a weakened side, meaning the Roosters finish fifth, uh, which is exactly how I predicted it a few weeks ago. Uh, what, I, what I learned uh, was that we, speaking of the Eels, we may have been a little bit quick to judge them in recent weeks. The Storm were no doubt well off the pace, but the Eels approached the match well and and got the job done pretty convincingly, really, uh, shutting out the Storm in the second half there. I still I still don't think they're a genuine premiership threat, and uh, with Latrell Mitchell now suspended, I really think it's just down to the two, uh, the Panthers and the Storm. I'm happy to be proven wrong there. I think I think Mitchell's uh, really hurt the Rabbitohs' chances. Uh, and the Seagulls are there or thereabouts too, and I think the Eels are maybe just a, a step below maybe the Rabbitohs and the, and the Seagulls, but I think we were a little bit quick to judge them, just quietly. Um, yep. what's, the, uh, what's your wildcard award for this week? My wildcard uh, this week, Bo, actually, it's funny you mentioned the Eels because it does involve them. Um, it's a bit of a an odd one, so I, I don't really have a name for it this week, um, but it goes to the Eels and sort of with missing Reed Marnie. So I've noticed the way they're playing without Reed is uh, slightly more, well, actually, a lot more direct. Um, generally, when Reed Marnie plays, they get a big wide pass off off the dummy half, and Moses and Dylan Brown um, are at about the, I'll say the the C defender already, which basically makes it much easier for the defence to slide, and that's why it looks like they're going sideways all the time. And last week they made their um, most meters in the last few weeks that they've made as a team collectively, and I feel like it was off short passing off the dummy half and just banging down the door in the middle. So. Um, that's my wild card award for this week. I guess it was just a, a bit of a um, a spot that I made, yeah, watching the game. Let's call it the uh, the keep it simple stupid award because, like, how often do you see it in a game where, like, you know, the key five eighth or the halfback goes down and they just plug in a, a center or a back rower and they don't ask the center or the back rower to become the halfback. They just say, look, if it's there to pass, pass it. Otherwise, just run strong, just run hard, just yep. go straight. And it's amazing how often that works sometimes. Uh, so I think 
I think sometimes, you know, like Reed Money's got this fantastic passing game. We all admire it. He's a great hooker. When we do the top 10 hookers, he'll be there for sure. Uh, but yeah, sometimes too much of a good thing can be a bad thing, right? And and playing yep. direct footy, getting over the advantage line, uh, using the strength of guys like Isaiah Papali'i, Junior Paulo, Ryan Madison, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, it can only be yep. a good thing, right? So uh, I think that's a good call. Uh, I've, I've I've also sort of noticed that in recent weeks. Uh, my wildcard award this week is the Boomerang Award, and it goes to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Now, obviously, the they've been struggling a little bit in recent weeks and trailing thirty to twelve against the Seagulls with about five minutes left. The Bulldogs cleverly substituted the rugby league ball for a boomerang at the kickoff, resulting in the ball in quotations coming back to Joe, uh, Jackson Topine uh, for a try. It was great ingenuity from the cellar dwellers, I thought. Uh, so they get the Boomerang Award for this week. Now, let's just jump straight into some news, Frendy, because I've been champing at the bit, frankly, to, to talk about Phil Gould with you. But before we get into that, I suppose it's worth mentioning, obviously, Joey Manu uh, depressed fracture of the eye socket or cheekbone uh, after uh, what was deemed by the judiciary a reckless grade two uh, tackle from Latrell Mitchell contact directly with the with the eye socket and cheekbone from his right shoulder uh, with a bit of a swinging arm motion after the fact as well it was certainly um, ugly I think anyone on any side of the fence of this argument would say that it's ugly um, there's been a lot of talk about intent now how much how much do you read into that because I think there's there's certainly intent for him to be aggressive I don't think there's any question yep. about that um, but yeah, do you think he was trying to hurt his old teammate? I don't, to answer in a weird sort of way, yes, I think he was trying to hurt him. No, I don't think he was trying to injure him. Right. Um, I think, I think there is a difference. So Latrell plays, um, a really super aggressive game. Uh, he uses his body as a weapon, and it's a big bloody weapon. Um, so when he sees, whether it's Joey Manu, who he's been childhood mates with, or whether it's Dane Gagai in Origin, who he's club mates with, he doesn't care. He sees an opponent, and he wants to. He he does. He wants to hurt them. He wants to play aggressive, and he and he wants to bang them up. So when he gets that opportunity, a bit of a free shot, which is what he had, um, he goes in hard, and unfortunately, it came off wrong and joey now when he goes to the airport he's going to be buzzing through the the metal detectors um yes yeah so uh, yeah so yes i do think um he had intent to be aggressive but not to injure him yeah so you'd be happy enough with the where the judiciary landed it was worse than careless it was less than intentional reckless Mm. is, is is a good call you think yeah, I think Reckless is spot on. So, as I said, he, he's gone in um, super hard, super aggressive, and he's had no sort of care factor for the ball carrier or, or himself at all. Um, he's had no care factor for the other guys that were in the tackle as well, Dane Gagai around the legs or um, whoever else was around. He's just gone in hell for leather and, and tried to whack a bloke. And, and yeah, if it comes off wrong, it, it comes across as reckless, doesn't it? Now, when you were watching the game, uh, were you watching live by chance? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so were you yeah. watching Fox or were you watching Channel 9? Uh, I watched 9. 
Okay, so did you see after the fact, uh, after the game, they call it Golden Point, where uh, yeah. it's like a panel where they uh, have, uh, you know, a host. I think it was James Bracey, wasn't it? It was Bracey. Yeah. And uh, it was Gallon there and Johns and Phil Gould. And they have this ridiculous thing where they, they move the camera around way too much. It freaks me out. As a, as a film nut, I hate it. I think it's just too much, yep. too busy. Settle down. Let's put it on a tripod. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, that's not the thing I found the most abrasive. The thing I found most abrasive was the fact that Phil Gould was basically sitting there saying, look, those of you that have never played football can shove your opinions, pretty much. You don't know what you're talking about. This guy, you know, he's a, he's a he's a star of our game. You know, it, can the can the game afford to lose him for finals? You know, it, it would be the wrong thing. He got he got he admits that obviously the tackle was ugly and that he got it wrong. No question about it. No one would argue otherwise. I think, but. Mm. It sounded to me like Phil Gould absolutely did not want Latrell Mitchell suspended for six weeks. Um, so I come to you, particularly come to you. I, I knew that we had this special date with Kieran and Miles not here, so I wanted to dive into this because uh, in the past uh, we've we've spoken about Phil Gould as friends before in group chats and stuff like that. And you've always yeah. been the one to say, "Look, he's the one that you'd love to sit down and have a beer with because you yeah, pick sure. his brains to death. You love the guy." Yep. Can you defend the way that he's acted in the last couple of days? No, I can't, unfortunately. Uh, I can't defend the way he basically wrote off half the audience because not everyone's played rugby league. Uh, for starters, many of them are female, which a lot of them wouldn't have played rugby league. Um, they can still know a lot about the game. Um and, and understand how it works and all things like that. So I, I didn't like that part of it. What I do sort of agree with is I don't want to see our best players missing either. I've always thought for a long time that rugby league should um, implement the same uh, suspension system that they use in horse racing where jockeys, when they get suspended for a certain amount of time, they can serve that suspension at a different time so they don't miss something like a Melbourne Cup. So in rugby league, if that was for the finals, um, potentially Latrell could serve it for the first six rounds next year or something like that. I understand that there's um, there could be guys that exploit that and, and um, take someone out in a game and things like that. But uh, in terms of yeah, Latrell being suspended for the finals, I, I don't like that. But I think the decision is right, and I don't really yeah, you know, I don't agree with Gus in this instance. No. One thing that bothers me about Gus, and I will go on the record, obviously, I'm a Queenslander, so there is automatically this whole New South Wales versus Queensland thing, particularly with State of Origin, but I've always found him to be a very intelligent rugby league man, yeah. and yeah, sure. he's been around the game a lot more than I have, certainly at a higher level, definitely, so I have to take what he says on board. I, I just have to. Mm. But at a certain point, when he's talking down to us the way that he does, and also he, when he bullies the people that he's presenting with, he's such a bully that he doesn't allow for a, for a devil's advocate. What ends up happening is every show that he's on, whether it's the, like the live commentary, the golden point, his podcast with James Bracey, 100% footy, it all just becomes a soapbox for him. And Paul Gallen might challenge him occasionally, but realistically, that's kind of, that's like matching, you know, <laughs> like Usain Bolt against, you know, a four-year-old girl at a sprint race. Like, it's <laughs> like a battle of the minds between Gould and Gallen I'm not interested in. Like, Gould is going to win yep. whether he's right or not. Um, yep. And 
So, I, I find it like, infinitely frustrating that this is a man with so much brain power that could present such an interesting program, but he just bullies people into submission. Like, poor old James Bracey. He has a professional responsibility here. He works with a guy about four or five times, four, four or five days a week. Um, he needs to maintain a professional relationship. Now, now Phil Gould would definitely be a difficult person to work with, I think. Yeah. Because uh, yep. he's so opinionated and he's always right. And sometimes he is because he's very smart. But, man, I found it just so frustrating when he was just... Chat, talking about me and you as if we were just nothing, as if we knew nothing, <laughs> and how dare we have an opinion? Uh, that was that was so frustrating for me. Yeah, his delivery, uh, regardless of the topic or opinion that they're talking about, his delivery um, at times, and it's probably about at least seventy five percent of the time, I'd say, is quite abrupt. Um, it's very, or well, kind of rude, really, um, but. I do respect his, like you said, his knowledge of the game. I, th- I think he's forgotten more than I know about rugby league. So, um, as you said, you do have to take it on board. And there are times when I really like listening to Gus. So, I don't know if anyone listening caught the last 10 minutes of that game, but it was it was gone. So, the Bunnies were leading by 30 points or whatever it was. And they're trying to bring some life into the commentary and things like that. And when... Uh, two guys were on the ground. I forget who, and um, Dane uh-huh. Gagai and Satili Tupanua. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. sort of they were trying to pull the two guys away, and then they both went at it. They thought, no, nah, stuff that, and they got into each other. And the way <laughs> Gus described that was hilarious, and it was yeah. really good, like upbeat, fun sort of commentary. Um, when he's like that, I think it's fantastic. And when he's explaining things, or even his, I mean, he'd be one of the guys that you would go to war for if he was your coach like some of those speeches he gives before origin i I feel like i'm ready to run out there so um i love those things about gus but i can totally understand why people don't like him and and don't like listening to him do you uh are you the kind of person that like watches and listens to all of his content um because i used to be but I, Mm -hmm. i i just find it really tough now yeah i listened to his podcast this afternoon actually uh while i was walking the dog so he's um yeah, I, I do like Gus, um, and I do, yeah, when he gets stuck on a topic, I think that's when it really, because um, he's just relentless, as you said, he bullies people into submission, so I guess he's got the strength of character to do that, whether that's the right or wrong thing or way to go about it, I'm not so sure, but yeah, I, I do respect him and I do listen to all his stuff because I think I value his opinion highly. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I tend to fall on that side of things, I just, I I just want five minute snippets. I think that'll be me. I think five minutes a week would do me. <laughs> just give me give me the highlights, and then I'll be good. Uh, what I what I will say is definitely worth mentioning is that he more than any other commentator that I can think of or, or significant person in the game has really got on board. Uh, the fans on Twitter um, really responds, yep. really gives them a lot of time. Uh, particularly one fan. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Dion Sang. She's like a, a yep a- South Sydney. Yes, huge Rabbitohs fan. He even called her out in commentary um, one time, being like, shout out to Dion, my Twitter friend. You know, (laughs) that would have have meant the world to her. Um, So, you know, he is like, I'm not saying he's a bad dude. I'm certainly not saying I dislike the guy, but just Gus for the the 
fucking life of just making a good product. Like, let's have let's have interesting debate on these shows, but don't bully people about it. Like, you're not mm. you might you might be right, but let's let's do it let's do it the right way and let's let's make it an interesting product because I would love to listen to more of his stuff because as you say, he is a absolute doyen on the game. Let's yeah. uh what do you say we get into it? The, the main course, the the top ten props. Now, Friendy, we all we all have a vote, and obviously we uh, we have to do like in order our top ten. And the first place gets ten points, the second place gets nine, all the way down to tenth gets one point. And basically, you can vote for anyone in the NRL that's currently an NRL registered player in a club uh, that could be injured or suspended or otherwise. Uh, could be currently playing in the back row, potentially, but you consider them to be one of the best props. You can vote for whoever you like. Uh, so, for example, Josh Maguire, who's played a bunch at the lock or hooker or front row recently, he would, in theory, qualify if anyone thought he was good enough to vote for, um, which he wasn't. Um, so, um, that's how that's how it happened. Uh, we only had one tie, so there was, that was the situation where I took away the top... Uh, point scoring for for each of those people and the lowest point scoring for each people and found the you know the average of the two and that was how I separated those ones but uh, generally speaking uh, the four of us voted that's you me miles and Kieran and we came up with a top 10 now I've got to say there are some exceptional names that exceptional might be a strong word but some like high quality premiership winning front rowers who play rep footy have not made even our individual top 10s, let alone the overall top 10, uh, how difficult was it to put this list together? Yeah, super hard, especially as we spoke about during the week. There's, well, obviously, you've got your two starting props, which are generally your marquee props in, within the one club. You've also got guys on the bench. So there's some of the stronger clubs that um, potentially have three guys that could end up in your top 10 or something like that. So, yeah, really hard for mine. So between the four of us, 17 props got at least one vote, uh, which is which is the most we've had so far. We've done fullbacks, we've done halfbacks. Now, for the most part, I think it was pretty easy. Like, for halfback, for example, we all knew exactly who the top one was going to be. The top five was pretty straightforward. Same for fullbacks, really. Um, so, front rowers, though, was a bit all over the show. Uh, and it was it's very interesting putting the, these numbers together. I will mention at the end of it the people that were just outside the top 10. Uh, and I will also maybe mention a couple of people that were completely missing out on votes that, uh, you know, honestly, one of them, for example, I think is that good that in two or three years he could be a top five prop. But he didn't receive a single vote from us this year. And that just, it's, I think it speaks volumes to how much quality there is. So let's start with number 10. Uh, he received five votes in total. It's Marty Tapau from the Manly Seagulls. Now, this is a guy that uh, has been a stalwart for quite a while now. He's, I think he's been involved with the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken. He's been involved with the Bulldogs. And he's found a pretty happy home at the Seagulls. Uh, and it doesn't seem to matter who they slot in next to him, whether it's like a Sean Kepi or a Sipley or uh, a Paseka uh, or Alawai even. He seems to have a really, really strong relationship with those guys, uh, setting the platform for the likes of DCE, Jake and Tom Trevojevic. Uh, so Marty Tapao, the, the, the unit with, with the, uh, intimidating face and the long hair, uh, are you a fan friendy? 
Yeah, I think Marty's a really good player. He's um, he's actually quite light on his feet for a big guy, um, and a, a big guy he is. He's got a really good offload. Uh, he's generally up there at the end of the year in the most offloads category. So, yeah, I, I think Marty, um, really good player and deserve it of the top 10. And he will feature very, very heavily. As we said, like, you know, Sipley, Paseka, Aloy, Kepi, they've got a pretty good rotation there, Manly. Uh, but without Tapao... I think their finals chances, like if he was suspended or something, I think they would really struggle through the finals. But if he's there and he's firing, mm. they could be right there amongst the top teams, prelims or further. Number nine, bit of a surprise, uh, but certainly an up-and-coming prop. I think maybe in a few years' time, there won't be any debate about him being in the top 10. But I know for certain that when I post this list with some of the people that did not make it, and this person that did, we are going to cop some heat. <laughs> and uh, I'm just mentally preparing myself for it. Uh, with six votes, it's Mo Fodawaka from the Titans. Now, he he's played a couple of games for Queensland. I think it's uh, a few now. Uh, he's quite mobile, like, like to power, very, very light on his feet, good footwork, has an offload, very strong, uh, gets good go forward for the Titans, and is fairly integral to their chances of making the top eight at all. Are you a bit surprised to see Fodawaker amongst this lofty company? I'm not surprised. I, I thought he'd be around the mark. Um, he had a pretty good Origin series as well this year, which I think may have swayed a couple of people's votes. So, yeah, I, I think he's a really good young player um, and, yeah, obviously deserves to be in the top 10. Yes. Well, that's how the votes have panned out anyway. So, now we take a little bit of a jump up to eighth position with 10 votes. This is a person that has been oft regarded as the best prop in the game, uh, particularly maybe a few years ago, I think, uh, when his team were just about literally unstoppable. It's Jesse Bromwich from the Storm. Mm. Now, he's, uh, I know that you're a fan. Uh, so, yep. talk, talk to me about why Jesse Bromwich is a, a very, very capable top 10 prop. The first thing I'll say about uh, Jesse Bromwich is when I heard guys interviewed on The Fan um, earlier this year, and it was all the props from around the different clubs, uh, rep players, everything like that, majority of them, when they were asked, um, who do you think is the best prop in the game, they said Jesse Bromwich. So for me, when your peers rank you as number one, you're obviously yeah you're right up there. Um, week in, week out, I think he's really consistent. I don't think he has the highlight reel of some other props, and I think that's maybe why some people might have him a little bit lower on the list. But on a consistency basis, I think Jesse's a yeah, certainly a really good player, and um, he, he's right up there in my eyes. Yeah, it could be the the, the Shane Webkey kind of effect where yeah, uh, like like he's the kind of guy that's going to turn up every week and do his bloody job, and and maybe only average like 110, I say only, I guess nothing, but it's, it's pretty good, 110 metres, 120 metres, he just chips away, does his job, but he obviously hits hard, he obviously is hard to pull down, he obviously gets that quick play of the ball, and yes, he doesn't monster people like Nelson or Sofa Solomona, or he doesn't average 200 metres a game like Payne Haas, but... He's, I mean, he's there for a reason, right? He, he has been the New Zealand captain. Uh, he, he is a, a genuinely excellent front rower. And to have him as low as eight, I think, is actually a bit of an indictment on us, uh, to yep. be honest. Uh, yeah. But there is a, it does speak to the quality of the people above him, including the person who came in seventh place, five points up with 15 votes. Now, this was a very rocks or diamonds type person in the votes. He either got put in the top 
four twice or miss the top 10 entirely, it's Adam Fanua Blake. Uh, he got 15 points in total. So he comes in at number seven. Talk to me about the impact of, of a guy like Adam Fanua Blake, who's taken his pretty excellent form from the Sea Eagles and I, I think made the Warriors a better team. Yeah, he definitely has. His carries are so strong, whether it's coming out of yardage or whether it's near the line and he's trying to pinch a try. He's got an offload. He's, he's got a big step off either foot. Um, I'm a, I think he's a serious player, Adam Fenua Blake. And you see when he's in the team, um, the difference that it makes for the Warriors is yeah enormous. So I think he's a really good player. Let's, uh, let's move forward to a Queenslander. Now, this guy has also been talked about as being the best prop in the game as recently as maybe last year or even a couple of years ago. Josh Papali'i comes in at number six with 22 votes. He was pretty popular across the board from us. Some had him a little bit lower than sixth. Some had him a bit higher than sixth in the top five. What is it about Big Papa that, you know, he's been around for a while now, Papali'i, starting sort of as a tear away uh, back rower and then becoming one of the premier props in the game. Yeah, he certainly is. He's um he's just a wrecking ball, isn't he? I, I think when he wants to turn it on, and I think that's sort of what's happened this year. I don't think he's sort of wanted to be there all that much um, at the start of the year. I think Origin was a bit of a turning point for him. Um, I think he pulled his finger out a little bit uh, in the second or third game a little bit more, and since then his form's been a lot better. So uh, Papali, as you said, regarded as probably the best prop in the game, especially when Canberra um, went on that run to the grand final. Um, I think, yeah, he, he's a really good player, Josh, and when he wants to turn it on, I think that's when, when he's at his best. Jack Whiten got a lot of plaudits uh, in the last couple of years for his form at the, at the Raiders, but... Yeah, yeah, Papali'i absolutely not a silent partner there. He was, he was, he was uh, yep. just as important in my opinion. Uh, a fantastic player, and to not have him in the top five as a Queenslander hurts a little bit. But I get it because this top five is red hot. Now starting at number five, this was this was where the tie was. Okay, so fourth and fifth were tied on the countback method. We've ended up with one of the scariest dudes in the comp. If I give you that clue. Do you know who it is? Is it Big Nelson? No. Or is it my Big boy? Nelson. Is it my boy Jared? It's Jared. Jared came it in at is fifth. Jared. Uh, yep. And yeah, obviously one of the scariest dudes in the comp because he is just such a ferocious competitor. Yeah, he's he's my favourite prop uh, in the competition, even though he's not at my club or anything like that. But I absolutely love watching Jared play. Uh, if he was on I think he's the guy that you want on your side so especially as a half or something like that you've seen a couple of times this year young Sam Walker copping a bit of a hit or something like that and yeah Jared comes over as the big alpha male and uh yeah I I wouldn't want to be on the uh, opposing side of that I love watching him play I think he's carried the Roosters this year too um uh, in terms of their pack I think he's become a massive leader this year which I never thought I'd sort of say about Jared in terms of um I guess the mental side of the game. Um, mm. I think, yeah, but he's he's certainly the big alpha male, as you said, big scary guy, and I, yeah, he's one of my favourites. He um, he was a loose unit in, in his old days and seemed a little bit ill-disciplined yeah. and things like that, but with age has come maturity and has come and sustained his exceptional performances. It, it's no fluke that when Latrell Mitchell was get, copying a bit of heat for what he did on, on Friday that we hear reports that on the sidelines, because he wasn't playing at the time, 
Hargreaves is the one that's given it to him. <laughs> like, yep. and, and it's yep. like, well, no shock, right? Like, if he was on the field, you absolutely bet he would have been right in the thick of it because he's not going to stand for that. Yeah, exactly right. I think I did hear uh, Latrell tried to go to the um, the sheds, the, the rooster's sheds, and Jared, there was no security guard at the door. Jared was the security guard. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he's a big, scary dude. I've actually met him as well. Um, at uh, an establishment in Terrigal, and he is a good dude uh, when he's having a beer and stuff as well. Great value on and off the field. Excellent, good to hear. Uh, is he is he quite? Because he's not like he's not one of the biggest props going around, but like the, he's a huge he's, man, um, right? So the the thickness of his torso, I know that sounds weird, but when you're standing <laughs> to the side of him. Um, the the thickness of his chest is just ridiculous. I, I he must he must bench press cars. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he's actually he's a gentle giant off the field. He was a great bloke. Um, but yeah, on the field, absolute alpha male. Love watching him play, and I'd love to have him at my club. Absolutely, uh, and at a great server for New Zealand rugby league as well. Uh, let's move forward to your club, uh, DSAF number four, equal with Jared Wawia Hargraves. Topping him on the countback method, though. Now, DSAF uh, really has only been maybe a top five prop maybe the last couple of years. He's really, really emerged, uh, Daniel Siafiti. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a great pleasure having him at your club. What do you say? Yeah, it certainly is. He's been outstanding, uh, Dan. I think when he was first picked for Origin, it was a bit of a like an obscure pick, I guess. But they, they mm-hmm. obviously saw something in him, and, and hopefully Jake ends up on the same trajectory but yeah Dan's certainly doing a good job I heard uh I think it may have been Greg Alexander talk about um Daniel a a few or maybe a year and a half ago something like that and he mentioned that what he does do well for a big man it's not a massive sidestep or anything like that but he has a little jink and he he always finds the uh, the arms of defenders rather than the shoulders so it's almost Mm -hmm. as if he's poking half a hole through the gap um and then that's the gives him the ability to find his front um, and get that quick play the ball. So, yeah, he makes a huge difference uh, for Newcastle when he's in or, or when he's out, obviously, as well. And I, I can't wait to have him back for week one of the finals. It's so fascinating to hear those little insights from guys like Greg Alexander because one person that did receive votes in this countdown but did not make the top 10, David Clemmer, he's the kind of guy that uh, has played at that level before. He, he makes so many metres, but... Yep are they quality beaters? You know what I mean? Like, he's a, he's a fine player too, but compared to a guy like Daniel Siafidi, is he finding his front as quickly? Is he, uh, pull, like, landing short where he's landing on the yep. on the hands and knees instead of flat on his stomach or on his back? Um, is he, yeah, getting those arms tackles instead of shoulder tackles? And, and like, if Daniel Siafidi makes 30 metres less a game, but... On the hit-ups that he's having, he's getting that quick play of the ball to give Ponga some yep. space. You'd know what you'd yep. rather, wouldn't you? Oh, exactly right. I, I think if you put the timing, or like so from start to finish of Dan's run and play the ball compared to David Clemmer, uh, it'd be seconds apart. So for one tackle, if you think about one second or two seconds, that's just so much difference for a defensive line to go back, reset, things like that. Whereas if you're that one or two seconds quicker, as Dan is, then it gives, like you said, the guys like Ponga, Pierce, Jaden Braley. The, and, and for New South Wales, you look at Damian Cook, he's generally tries to run off the back of Dan's play the ball. So, yeah, and I think he's really 
at that level, he knows he belongs now as well at the the rep arena. So I think it'll be um, pretty soon uh, he'll find himself an Australian jersey as well. Oh yeah, if like he'd be he would just be about be there right now. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Although one person standing in his way is a Queensland counterpart, somebody that. Uh, I, I love this pick, and um, I'm glad that you guys agree with me that he is absolutely one of the one of the premier props in the game these days. Super nice guy, super smart, uh, but just a real good workhorse, and the kind of guy that doesn't leave a stone unturned. It's Christian Welch from the uh, from the uh, Melbourne Storm, of course, and uh, we we call. Miles in, in one of our group chats, the New South Welch man, because he loves Christian Welch. Uh, <laughs> but he is not alone, my friend. Uh, he is, uh, he's become one of my absolute favorite players recently. Yeah, so he's Mr. 1%. That's what I call him. He does all the one percenters, and then that adds up over the course of the match, and that's why he ends up having a really good game. Ties in ties in quickly in defense on the inside, chases hard from marker, pressures all the kickers, leads the kick chase, all the things that Craig Bellamy loves in a player, and I have no doubt that's why he's become so well-respected down in Melbourne. And, you know, when you're picking an Australian team, it must be so easy to pick the likes of uh, Saifidi, Payne Haas, you know, etc. Um, I've, I've named a bunch, Josh Papali'i, because they, they they obviously make more of an impact on the defensive line, but it's it's guys like Christian Welch that you quite comfortably start against any opponent, and you'd know that whatever stint he gives you, 40, 50 minutes, whatever it is, it's going to be high quality, high effort, not missing many tackles. And as you say, tying in, like, you know, like really around that A or B defender area, just really, really uh, working hard for the people either side of him. So, uh, no, that's that's an easy pick for me. Top three, Christian Welch. I love that. Uh, he ended up with 24 points. So, it was actually really close between third and sixth. So, Welch had 24. Saifidi and Waria Hargreaves had 23. And Papali had 22. So, that could have gone any old way those those uh those four players so it just sort of indicates to me how how tight this all is but i must say uh there are there were two players that were absolutely head and shoulders above everybody else uh and we pretty much all voted the same way with these two players except me uh i went <laughs> the reverse of you guys we all had them in the top two but the person that came in at number two, who I had at number one, but the person the person who came in at number two was James Fisher Harris. Uh, the thing I love about James Fisher Harris is that he has that element of aggression that makes a guy like Waria Hargreaves so strong. He has that impact. He has that footwork. He has the speed, but he also has the tireless work ethic. The kind of guy that will give you an eighty minute stint, and it will be super high quality. Dan. Yeah, exactly right. He's. Speaking of big, scary dudes, um, it must be the the J name with the the hyphenated last name. It must be a thing with those guys. But he's um yeah he's an absolute weapon, James Fisher Harris, isn't he? He's as you said, uh, all quality, but he's got that intimidation factor as well. He um he represents that Penrith sort of style really well. Um yeah, great player. I'm going to test that theory. I'm going to change my name to Joe Nicholson Friend. <laughs> And just see if I become a premier prop, uh, or at least yeah. very, very scary to opponents. Rocking a face tat and, yeah. 
<laughs> no, not this face, please. Uh, obviously, uh, number one was voted on by three of you guys. I had him at number two. I do not mean that as a slight. I just love Fisher Harris that much. It's somebody that's young. We can expect to be a top five prop for the, probably the next five years at least. It's Payne Haas. Now, Friendy, is it fair to call this guy a freak of nature? Yeah, he's a genetic freak. He's one of the X-Men, isn't he? He's he's in that. <laughs> um, he's just unbelievable, Payne Haas. He, even, like you said, um, a genetic freak and things like that. He played Origin. I think it was Origin 1 during Ramadan. And yes. made some ridiculous amount of meters, had a huge impact on the game. Like it's just phenomenal. He, he's an incredible athlete. I can't believe he's only twenty-one or twenty-two or whatever he is. He looks about forty-five, um, <laughs> but he's yeah, he's he's just incredible. I love Payne Haas. He's going to be a good player for or a great player for a very very long time. Mate, he's not Scott Minto. Like, he doesn't look 45. <laughs> like, he's, yeah, like, come on. He looks older than 22. Maybe not granted. 45, but, but he certainly looks older than, yeah, 21, 22. <laughs> he's, yeah. One thing that we've spoken about previously is after Origin 1, I, I put together that video of all the tries and tried to do a bit of a try analysis. And uh, the amount of times that we noticed that New South Wales were scoring directly from a pain half play of the ball. They, they, they may have, how many tries they scored that night? It was something like eight or nine or something. Uh, I reckon he played the ball five times. Like It was probably yeah. about that regular. And it's like you say, with, when we were talking about Daniel Saifidi, Damien Cook, guys like that are looking for that. And then you've got guys like yep. Cleary and Luai and Travojevic and Mitchell and Tedesco playing over the advantage line with a retreating defense uh, and no Christian Welsh to help them defend. It was it a was massacre. <laughs> it was an absolute Yeah, massacre. absolutely. He's, and, and also as well, he chases guys on breaks. He, he runs back when um, to save tries and all that sort of stuff. It, it's, it's unbelievable. He, he chased someone down the other week. I'm trying to, was it Tedesco? I think he got Tedesco the other week when Teddy made a bit of a break and um, Payne Haas chased him down and got him. And then there was another time as well in a game uh, where they had a win a few weeks ago. Yeah, he chased I, down I a recall. kick and knocked it over was the dead the ball line or something. Yeah. It, I, was oh. that, I think it might have been against the Warriors, yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, and it's just things like that. You're like, you're making 200 metres in the middle and then how are you chasing back and uh, stopping tries and, and collecting kicks and things like that? It's just, it's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I love watching him play. So, so I think, obviously not completely unanimous because I had him in, at number two, but a very, very good pick for number one. And, and the speed, the strength, the, the, the work ethic, the quality of said work, uh, it's, it's quite an easy choice to have him at number one. Let's talk about some people that missed out. Now, I mentioned a guy that did not get a vote at all. Uh, Stefano Utoikamanu is someone that did not get a vote. Uh, that's someone that I think could well, in a few years' time, under the right guidance, could well uh, be a top five prop in the next few years. He's he's an absolute yep. weapon. Uh, he's got some like, paint house about him. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, um, guys like Regan Campbell-Gillard, uh, obviously he'd been very injured this year, so he didn't get any votes. Lindsay Collins, um, I had some conversations with Miles about how he was thinking about Lindsay, but obviously played dick all football this year so made it quite tough to beat any of the players that were picked above him let's um let's talk about some players that did get votes um tino fa asua he got a vote 
David Klemmer, as we mentioned, got a vote. Siasiwa Takeaho got a couple of votes. Matt Lodge picked up a few votes. Um, and he's really re- he's invigorated that Warriors team since going across there when he's not injured or suspended. Tom Burgess. That, that one was a bit surprising for me. Do you do you rate yeah. a bit of Tommy Burgess? Oh, oh, old symbols for hands. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's no, I'm I'm not a massive fan of Tom or, or George for that matter. I was a big fan of Sam's, um, and I mm. thought Sam was a fantastic player. But Tom and George, yeah, they're okay players. I don't think they're in the top ten. And and a lot of those ones that I've just named there, I mean, Tino probably plays most of his time at lock, so I can see why we haven't gone that way. He probably ends up in the top ten locks. Uh, Takeoho probably would have been a couple of years ago, but he's been in and out of form. Clemmer, likewise. Lodge, likewise. Burgess, probably likewise. A couple of guys that really surprised me that did not make the overall top ten. They personally made mine. Um, Junior Paulo yep. and Nelson Asofa Solomona. Now, yep, friendy, I have both of them as well. If we're not including those guys in the top 10, and obviously the fact that they've missed out entirely and we both had them means that we didn't have them super high up our lists. Yep. I mean, those guys not making this, it probably speaks a little bit to Nelson being in, uh, you know, being injured a fair bit this year. Uh, And Junior Paulo, maybe not converting his obvious club talents to the next level, which is where guys like Welch and Fodawaker maybe have picked up some points. But it also, I think, speaks strength to just how good the top 10 is. Yeah, it's a stacked position, like we were talking about before. There's obviously the main two for every team. And in Nelson's case, he's probably a victim of circumstances. You've got Jesse Bromwich and Christian Welch starting down there, and Mm. Nelson can only get a bench role, which, to be fair, I think the bench role does suit him quite well. Um, uh, However, yeah, it's obviously hurt him in this instance because I think he's a top 10 prop, uh, the damage he can do. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's a stacked position, and it was very tough, as we said. Very, very tough, but let's re- let's revise. The so top 10 was in 10th, Martin Tapao, in 9th, Mo Fodawaker, 8th, Jesse Bromwich, 7th, Adam Fenua-Blake, 6th, Josh Papali'i, fit, or equal 4th, but coming in 5th, Jared Wairia Hargreaves, with 4th being Daniel Siafiti, 3rd was Christian Welch, 2, James Fisher-Harris, and 1, Payne Haas. Friendy, how are you feeling about that list? Sounds pretty good to me. I think, yeah, the the big dogs, I guess the top five's the thing you want to, um, I guess, get as close to right as you can. We obviously want to get the top 10 correct as well, but the top five's the main sort of uh, best players in that position, and I think we've done pretty well. Do you think we're going to cop any heat? Of course. Social media. The best thing about it is everyone gets opinion, and the worst thing about it is everyone gets an opinion. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a few people that may not listen to the podcast, um, and they probably should if they want to get the reasoning behind our list, uh, because last time, yeah, we certainly copped some heat. Um, there was no replies to our replies, though, so maybe they uh, yeah, understood after they had a listen. I take things very personally, friendy. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I, I, I am looking forward to the banter on this one, though. I think there is certainly going to be a little bit of spice uh, flur- thrown around about this one. Uh, speaking of the fans, uh, we did a bit of a count of all the comments and the likes because we did ask this question to the punters. We had about 500 comments come through, even more likes of comments. So it's quite a big job. We haven't collated everything yet, but very popular picks were guys like Payne Haas, Fisher Harris, 
Harris, uh, JWH featured very prominently, um, and Paul Vaughan. But I think that was mostly a piss take. Um, that, that, that comment got about like a hundred likes. <laughs> so uh, you got, got to count him, I guess. So he's, he's in. Uh, but Friendy, thanks so much for that. That was good fun. Uh, let's take a little break. And then on the other side of the break, we are going to get into the predictions for the final round of the NRL. Back soon. If you like denim overalls, a bowl haircut with a part down the middle, Game Boys and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should listen to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast from the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast about the best movies, music, and TV shows of that great decade. Season 2 is currently underway, featuring The Big Lebowski, Frasier, Rugrats, and Green Day, among others. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your favourite pods. Let's get into the first game, which is on Thursday night from... BB Print Stadium in Mackay. It's between the Raiders and the Roosters. Now, the Raiders, I, I can't see really any significant um, outs or ins. Uh, they're going to start with Chansey Nickel Klukstar, which I think is probably a good call. For the Roosters, I've noticed they've moved Sam Walker to the bench, which is a, I found a very interesting move with Lachlan Lamb shifting into halfback with Adam Kieran returning. I guess from that point of view... Um, I, I wouldn't say they're blaming um, uh, Sam Walker for the loss, but uh, it, it does it does sort of give that impression. I think maybe Robinson wants to hide him a little bit from the from the big Raiders pack, who he's expecting to be physical. Luckily for the Roosters, they've got Wairia Hargreaves and Crichton returning, so that will help things with Josh Morris in the back line as well. Uh, I'm going to back in the Roosters here, Friendy. Uh, the main reason, I think they have got the stronger team particularly in the forward pack but also it helps me with my prediction for the ladder i want the roosters to come fifth and i need them to win to do that so i'm going to tip the roosters who do you think yeah i'm with the roosters as well bo i think um it's really hard i've heard guys talk about it's really hard to just switch to um form on like as if it's like a you can just turn on a tap and you can all, all of a sudden be in form whilst i think the raiders have been trying and they've been better than what they were i, I don't think they'll be able to um to beat the roosters here and i think the roosters pack will be too strong a danger spot for them is that the raiders do have a more experienced bench at the very least. So, uh, you know, the middle the middle part of the game could be the big struggle for the Roosters, and it's gonna it's gonna require a big effort from their top forwards. Uh, the next game, friendly, is at six pm on Friday from Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. It's between the currently eighth place Sharks and the currently first place Storm. It certainly is, Bo. And the Sharks, obviously, they're a bit of a fan of Luke Metcalf. He's remained in the side. He's on the interchange bench. I did like him the other week. I thought he played mm-hmm. really well. means Matt Moylan is in the six. Um, they do need to win to continue their season, I think. Um, I don't think all the results will go their way if they don't win. So, obviously, a tough opposition in Melbourne, but they've got a heap of guys out still. Um I won't really go through, I guess, Munster, Welsh, Kafusi, Bromwich, Adokar, Bromwich, Smith and Eisenhuth. They're the main ones that are missing. Um, 
You've got Nico Hines and Jerome Hughes are still there. Pappenhausen's still there. Brandon Smith and Harry Grant are still there. So they've got enough points in them, I think, Melbourne. Uh, Big Nelson makes his return as well. So I think that's a a good in for them. Um, And guys like Aaron Penne, Chris Lewis, Moroa, I think they'll be competing for potentially one bench spot coming into the finals. So I think they're all going to try and put their best foot forward. and, And I'll be tipping Melbourne. I, too, will be tipping Melbourne. This, uh, considering the amount of people that got rested, as you read out there, I feel like it's a danger game for them. Uh, it's a very real chance of them not getting the minor premiership. I don't think they're too worried about it. Um, and the, the Sharks have a lot to play for. But, yeah, again, <laughs> even with the Storm losing last week, how can you tip against them? It's just too hard. Let's move yep. forward to the uh, the third game, which is between the Eels and the Panthers. Now, the Eels are currently in fifth position. The Panthers currently equal first, but in second. Uh, the the Eels are the ones going with all the all the resting. So, they're, they're resting Gutherson, Junior Paulo. Uh, I think Niakore was injured. Mitchell Moses is also rested. Wanga Blake. They've, they've got uh, Nathan Brown and Dylan Brown on the reserves. So, they could feature, but maybe not. And the Panthers look pretty much full strength. Uh, they've got, you know, Cleary, Luai, Edwards, Toto, Coruscant, the whole bit. So, it's uh, on, on paper, you'd have to say the Panthers. And... I'm a bit confused about it with the Eels because they do they do have a, a genuine shot. They obviously don't rate the Cowboys' chances against the Sea Eagles, uh, but they they you know if the Cowboys do spring an upset, the the Eels would want to put some pressure on the Sea Eagles at the very least. I would have thought, but they seem happy enough with fifth or sixth, friendly. I'm going to go with uh, with the Panthers. Yeah, Panthers for me by plenty with the sides that have been named. I'm I'm a bit surprised by the Eels as well, but if that's what they think is best, I, I guess that's what they're going to go ahead with. So yeah, Penrith for me though. Yeah, that was super surprising. Uh, let's go forward to Saturday afternoon from Suncorp Stadium at 3 o'clock. It is the Broncos playing at home against the Newcastle Knights. The Knights, not a lot to play for, uh, but they don't seem to have rested a whole bunch of people either. So how do you see this one going? I think it's a real danger game, Bo. Um, we ha- we've rested Jaden Braley and Mitchell Barnett and Jacob Saifidi, um, along with Heimel Hunt. So... There's a couple of guys there that I think Barnett has probably been, or if not our, our best, at least in the top couple of our players this year. So mm. he's a big loss. Jaden Braley's missed the consistency for us. Um, he, he's a big out as well. You've got, yeah, I guess Clemmer and Sawaso Sue in the front row. Chris Randall at hooker and, and Connor Watson may play a bit of dummy half as well. Our bench doesn't look that strong. Um, I think Brisbane are going to be hard to beat. You, you do get teams last game of the year. They know they can just go, yeah, hell for leather and, and try and get it done because they're going to have a beer afterwards. So um, I think it's a real danger game. I'll tip Newcastle, but only just. I too am tipping Newcastle. Uh, I do also think this is a danger game for them. I I, I do the NRL pick them uh, on the NRL.com yep. website. I think you're crazy if you don't. Uh, yeah. It's it's free and you can win a lot of money. Uh, but I've got the Knights, but I've got them one to six on that one. I just I yep. just got a funny feeling that it could be a real contest. And as you say, the Broncos have been playing pretty well recently. Uh, on Saturday evening afterwards at 5 30 p.m it's the cowboys versus sea eagles it's from queensland country bank stadium in townsville not a lot to write home about the cowboys here uh ruben cotter's injured so he won't play in the final game of the season for them that brings cohen hess back into the side he'll move into the front row moving tamalolo to lock i actually think tamalolo 
is a front rower nowadays, uh, personally. Yep. So, uh, I'm a little bit confused about that one. Cohen has can play lock as far as I'm concerned, but whatever, Trevor. The Seagulls, uh, they are throwing uh, pretty much everything at this one. They're not resting anybody. They want that top four spot. It's it's theirs to lose at this point. They're playing against the Cowboys at home. It can be a danger game. And like you say, the Cowboys can throw um, a few points, uh, can throw everything they have at it. They've, they've got nothing to lose. And there were some pretty impressive performances for the Cowboys from some of the young players last week against the Dragons, particularly in that second half. So the Cowboys have points in them. It, it, it could, in theory, be a danger game. The Seagulls look like they're taking it seriously, which I think is the right call. They want to get that fourth spot. And I think they will. I think they're going to win the game. What do you think? Yeah, I'll be tipping Manly. The one sort of ray of sunshine you may have, Bo, as a Cowboys fan, is that if the Roosters and Parramatta do lose, then Manly are fourth regardless. So I think they might, Tom might have a sit and it might, or Daily Cherry Evans might as well. So yeah, you, you might get a little bit of hope there if that is the case. I think they might rest a few of their stars if, if that happens. So yeah, I'll tip Manly though. The last time the Cowboys played against the Seagulls was earlier in the year. Trevojevic was out because he didn't back up from origin. You and I were both umming and ahhing about that and, oh, the Seagulls should have enough and whatever. And did they what? Like, they just killed them. <laughs> um, the next game is between the Rabbitohs and the Dragons. It's uh, later on Saturday night at 7.35 from Sunshine Coast Stadium. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? It's, it's interesting the, the, the choices that the Rabbitohs have made there. It is, yeah. Obviously, they're resting a few guys there. So, Adam Reynolds, Damian Cook, Dane Gagai, Latrell is obviously out, as we spoke about earlier, Liam Knight and Tom Burgess. So, there's a few guys that are going to be enjoying the week off. Uh, St. George, I guess they've named a pretty strong side, considering what they have in their squad. Zach Lomax is a big out for them. Um, I I will tip South Sydney, but... It's, yeah, I don't know. I think it might be closer than than people think. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Bunnies. The Rabbitohs don't have a chance, feasibly, of, of being anything other than third, uh, even if they lose. So there is nothing to play for. The Dragons, obviously, don't have a lot to play for either. I think they probably fielded the stronger of the two teams. Uh, keep in mind also that the Rabbitohs are essentially resting Jai Arrow, Cameron Murray, Alex Johnson, and Cody Walker, who are also on the reserves. So it's like they don't feature in the outs technically because they're in the 21, but they, they probably won't play. So it's... Um, yeah, the Dragons have a stronger side. I'm going to go for the Rabbitohs as well, but uh, with very little confidence. Uh, that's that's going to be an intriguing game, actually. I might try and catch that during my dad's 60th on the weekend. Happy birthday. Shout out to the old man. Sunday afternoon footy. It's a home game for the Titans. It's a Seabus Super Stadium at the Gold Coast. It is the Titans against the Warriors. The Warriors, unfortunately for you, friendy, they, their luck has come to an end. They will not be playing finals football this year. The Titans... Mm, they've they just stumbled against the Knights, though. They really needed to win that one. Uh, they didn't get it done, uh, thanks to that field goal at the end. They still feasibly could make it, but they need to really put it through the Warriors here. So they've they've picked basically the same team, um, which is probably their best lineup that they can muster. The Warriors aren't doing anything too crazy with their lineup either. Um, so really, it's a couple of teams picking the best they can just for the sake of it. The Warriors will... We'll throw the ball around. They've got nothing to lose. The Titans have a, have a bit to lose, but a lot to gain. So I would expect them to win. They've got a bit more motivation. Um, but the Warriors forward pack um, 
worries me a little bit. It's a very, very strong forward pack. So I don't expect it to be an easy one for the Titans, and I don't expect them to win by the amount they need to to, to be a genuine factor. Yeah, I'll be tipping the Titans, Bo, as well. I think um, something might come up in my bold prediction a bit later about <laughs> the Titans. All right, we'll leave it at that then. And uh, let's... Let's move it forward to Morton Daly Stadium, uh, which has been enjoying some lovely Sunday afternoon games with ridiculous wins in recent times. And uh, the Bulldogs, well, they got the Boomerang Award with with that ridiculous win, and they'll be looking to do the same against the Tigers, Friendy. Yeah, and as I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, with the if this game had a sound effect, I think this would be another <laughs> fart sound effect um, because it is just stinky. And I think you could play that sound effect on Lachlan Lewis's soundbar that he tried to sell on eBay <laughs> during the week. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I have no idea who to tip here. I think I'm just going to go for the Tigers um, just because I think there's more points in their spine. Um, I don't think, yeah, the Bulldogs, they, yeah, they're really struggling at the moment. Um, I'll just go to the Tigers. Me too. And I just realized we've, we've both missed the eBay Entrepreneur Award. That would have been, uh, that would have been quite something. Let's talk bold predictions friendly, fr- friendly, friendy. Let's, let's talk bold predictions friendy. Mine is that, uh, when we did the ladder predictor uh, about five, six weeks ago, I've got a genuine chance. So my, la- my bold prediction is that my ladder predictor will be exactly right. So that means that the storm will be top, then Panthers, then Rabbitohs, which seems fairly likely across the board there. Then fourth will be the Sea Eagles, fifth the Roosters, sixth the Eels, seventh the Knights, and eighth the Sharks. So that's my bold prediction, that that will be exactly right, that I will get my ladder predictor bang on. What's your bold prediction this week? It goes completely against yours, Bo. So my bold prediction is the Titans will round out the eight. They'll pinch eight spot after the Raiders and the Sharks going down, and the Titans will make up the differential and... Um, yeah, they'll, they'll slide in there to the finals. So, as it stands, um, the Sharks are in front of the Raiders on differential. So, if the Raiders lose, they're yep. gone. Se- yep. Actually, not necessarily. If the Raiders lose and then the Sharks lose by 50 more, <laughs> then <there laughs> Which Melbourne could... Melbourne could do. <laughs> yeah, not at full strength, but, you know, like, who mm. right off the storm at this point. Yeah. Uh, look, if the Raiders lose, they're gone. Let's let's call it that. The Titans and the Sharks have a differential of, of, of 23 between them, the Sharks in the positive there. So, what would need to happen is that the Storm would need to beat the Sharks by a few, and then the Titans would need to beat the Warriors by a few. And if it was, say, 12 yep. either way, that's pretty doable. Yeah, yeah, and I think that'll be the case. That'll be my bold for this week. Hmm, I like it. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, Friendy. It's uh, it's unfortunate that we couldn't have Miles Stebman and Kieran Gibson with us this evening, but alas, we've uh, we've soldiered on without them for our third date. Uh, it's starting to get serious now. I'm starting to really get some vibes, actually. <laughs> um, so, shout out to you. Shout out to Shell um, yeah. and <laughs> and Annette. And um, and please don't tell Shell Annette. Like I'm only kidding. And also a shout-out to Phil Gould, the most balanced of all rugby league pundits and definitely the most generous to his co-hosts. <laughs> I'd, I'd give a shout-out to uh, our co-hosts normally on most weeks and Miles and Kieran, and hopefully we can have them back as soon as possible. Yes, exactly. Clear your schedule, Miles, and get better soon, Kieran, from all of us, well, all two of us, I guess, and all the listeners as well, I'm sure. 
Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.